Hey there, everyone, uh, and welcome to episode one of the Future Film Podcast, uh, presented by the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival. Um, the Future Film Pod um, is a collection of conversations that we've had with, uh, or are having with filmmakers from around the world who use their phone uh, as a primary filmmaking device. Uh, it started as a uh, weekly live chat on Instagram, uh, and the conversations were uh, going so well and people were so engaged, we figured we'd spin that audio off into a podcast for anyone who doesn't manage to tune in every Thursday night at 8.45. So welcome to the pod. This is the first episode. It's an interview with uh, B- filmmaker Blake Worrell, a uh, fascinating guy, um, worked for Roger Corman. It's all very interesting. You'll hear it now. Uh, uh, so thanks very much for tuning in. Um, it's going to be uh, a bit of a rough go first time around. We're learning as we go, in particular the ending, which is a bit of a cliffhanger, as in it just, you'll find out when you get to it. But uh, stay tuned. Uh, it's onwards and upwards from here. Yes. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this professional setup you have going on. That's right. How's it going? Uh, we are in my tiny office and I don't have a nice white backdrop like you do. Uh, um, well, you, 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 yeah. got, you got depth. Depths of field. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I got some nice DVDs to show my age here as well. Uh, so for anyone who's just, just because we're shooting the breeze here, for anyone who's joined us, people like to join in and listen. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? So my name is Blake Worrell. Uh, from LA, been working with smartphones the past, uh, I think three, well, I guess professionally, yeah, three years. Uh, I've been dabbing with it for about five, uh, yeah. but really went out and started being really active in 2016. And that's when things started kicking off. And man, I just think like everyone just should be doing it. Nobody should be sitting on their hands at all or even just thinking about it. It's, it's like, it's just one of those, you see it like on YouTube and Instagram or sometimes you go through, you see these commercials and like, oh, you just gotta get started, just do it. And yeah, it's, and it's true, it's like, it's rough at first. And it's like, you'll make tons of mistakes Oh, It'll yeah. probably look really horrible, uh, but just get better. Look at this, look at this, just waving around your B script like you've no problems. <laughs> who, who, who has this kind of phone? You ever see yeah, yeah, a yeah, phone yeah. like this? Like, wait, what? What is? What phone is that? Oh wait, hold on, I have a text message. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did you, um, like, before you did the phone stuff? What were you? Because I never asked you this. What were you doing? What was your background before all this? Like, like music. It was music. You were a musician. I remember you talking uh, I was, about I was yeah. pretty hardcore in music. And actually, before that, I was really hardcore in sound design. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. I, I mean, I, I wear that like a medal. Uh, yeah. and, I, and it wasn't until now, using my phone, that I realized how lucky I was, really, truly, to have worked for Roger Corman. Oh, because wow. that guy was like... I mean, talk about just pumping out stuff and not like, yeah, yeah. no perfectionism whatsoever. No, we just do it. This is what we got. We do it. We're like pumping it out. And you hear about like, uh, content is king, you know? Yeah. Uh, just, you got to pump it out. I mean, this guy was doing it way before there was even any kind of internet going on. Yeah, and he was so, taking chances on filmmakers as well. Just saying, if you say you can do it, you can do it. And- Gorsese just started there. Uh, uh, uh. Right, Jack Nicholson, yeah. um, uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, there's so many people that started with Roger Corman. And so I'm so grateful to have that because it's, it's like this uh, boot camp mentality. Yeah. You know, like, you just got to go, just got to go. So to have that experience on top of it, I mean, I'm very privileged to have, uh, I do have an upper hand. And I noticed that at other festivals that I have the upper hand because I have a huge background in sound and a huge background in music. And one of the common mistakes that I see like over and over and over again is that no one really takes care of sound as much as they should. Uh, Because if you have a killer mix um, and just like crappy footage, it fits. Like look at Blair Witch Project, you know, or uh, Paranormal. Uh, You know, that's a perfect sound. But if you have the opposite, this beautiful you know, 4K footage, everything shot beautifully, but the sound is all muffled and, you know, shit's distorting. People can't, it's just like, it affects the psyche. Yeah. yeah. And like, I find, well, I don't know, but from your experience, I find that because a lot of filmmakers are, are visual, they see, they're always about the visuals, always about the visuals, and sound is always an afterthought. And I always, mm. I know when we were on set and stuff like that, there was always one guy 
and he was obsessed with sound and he had all the equipment and all the microphones and he was the guy like and if you were like he, you your your entire life was in this guy because you were like he understands sound I'm sure he knows what to do. It's fine. And then you'd go off and shoot all the visuals in the world. But without somebody who was like, I found, without somebody who was big into audio, then you're, it would fall through the cracks and you'd be making mistakes all over the place or you'd be, yeah. you'd be cutting corners because you say to yourself, my 4K footage is great and that'll do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, and what can I ask you, when you were working for Roger Corman, what was the, like, when you were working on Project, what was that turnaround like? Were you like under the... Was it like you got to get this done in X amount of time, or? Yeah, I mean, you just you're kind of, you know, in stress. I mean, to, to be in LA is, is a beast. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk about you're really you're really having to really put the pedal to metal. You're yeah. pushing yourself. I mean, there's in Europe it's different. You have like these coffee breaks. You have like let's let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have that there. Um, yeah. And people are paying dues, man. Like, and it, and there's such a like a, a niche now. Like, it's like you you can't just be a director. Now you yeah. have to. Now it's like one thing I notice is like you're a music video director, or you're like a sci-fi director, or you're a drama director. So it's been really like narrowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's super normal now. Um, and it's uh, some advice for people who multitask. It's it's not good. Like when you go to a place like LA to say you do everything, you should focus on one thing. And uh, if you're a writer, you're a writer of drama, or you're a writer of comedy. It, it, it's insane. So going to your question, uh, it's a lot. It's I've been like just I grew up with this stress, and it's mm-hmm. so now it's like normal. Um, uh, did one of these? Well, I did. I think three or four now, uh, 24 hour film festivals. Yeah. And this recent one I did the, oh no, 48 hour film festival, uh, 48 hour film project or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The turnaround into like two days to write an edit. Yeah. So you go, you get like, um, a phrase that you have to say, or one of your characters has to say, and the name of that character and an object uh, like a trumpet or something like that. So they know it's like original, it's from that specific yeah, time frame. So yeah. uh, usually what the case is they're, they're stressing out and everything's pumping until uh, about, I think it's usually less than 12 hours before they have to turn it in. So I usually like say, I think they have to turn it in at five in the afternoon or something. I think yeah, it was five in the afternoon, right? Yeah. So I wake up in the morning at around seven. Um, usually what I have them do is shoot footage, like behind the scenes stuff, Mm -hmm. like literally stuff like shooting the monitor. And so I have an idea, like what they're working with. And uh, I like to have this regardless, whether it's another short film, that's not like super time pressure, but I like to have as early as possible. And this is for also like upcoming directors and Mm -hmm. uh, any filmmakers out there. Uh, I say, like, you really have to take care of what's going to happen in the end. Yeah. Also for the editor, you know, bring the editor on set, bring the sound guy on set, the, 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 the post-production on set, because it helps us get an idea, because it's actually going to make your film better. And so I like to have these, like, whether it's photos, anything. So it's like they were shooting in a basement, and um, and so I got some pictures of basements some fire, um, and in these pictures, I noticed, okay, it's a little wet. I noticed that she's touching the wall. Um, I can get a, a sense of where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. So already, uh, 24 or more like, yeah, the, the day before I'm already picking out sounds like, can okay, use this, use that. And I'm already setting up my library before I even get the project. Get to the actual project. Yeah. And that's so helpful, especially for stuff like that, where you're in a super tight frame because uh, audio, Nobody, only people on the inside know, but audio, man, is the most stressful job. It's like a air traffic controller, you know? We're always, the, we're always the last ones in line. You get the last, you have to drag it over the line, and you've got the least amount of time to do it. Uh, 
and then the video like, guys went for it. We're like, oh, we're waiting for the audio. We can't, we can't output it until we get the audio. It's like, yeah. yeah. And you're, and they've spent, they've spent ages editing it. I was like, well, it's, it's practically done. You just got to dump your audio track on it. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I got to layer this over this over this. For anyone who's starting out and who wants to like really get involved as a director, I think it's super important to really investigate, like you say about sound, you know, that's something you're not into. I think it's like you, you really should sit and watch and really try to learn because it's like when you pick up a little bit here and there, then you have like a, it's like a, a wider lens, you know, you can see more of what's going on and you know what to take care of also on set. Like, oh, it's, it's too bright right there or, or that thing sticking out of, it looks like this, this shelf is sticking out of their head, you know, or yeah. these little details, you know, because sometimes we're just, we're just looking at the foreground and we don't take care of the background. Yeah. And that's, that's one big advice I'll give for the for visual cinematographers, really take care of, of really your environment all around every corner of the frame, especially the, the corners of the frame. Cause it's like, you look at, like, you know, the thirds and everything. We're looking at the thirds and like around this area, there's like a circle. It's almost like a, a mental vignette oh. what we focus on. And sometimes there's these like little corners and you notice it like later on in post, it's like, oh man, I left my water bottle there. Yeah, was after the Corman stuff, you were, after the sound design, you were doing music. What was, when was the step into movies? Um, well, I took, I took about a, a year, a uh, year or so hiatus from, from music. Cause I just, it was getting to the point. Cause after I did, I don't know how many albums, I think 30 albums, something like that. And, uh, I was on tour for 10 years Did about, I don't know, 1,800, almost 2000 concerts. And, I just, I, I just, I don't know, it wasn't, I had to change something. I wasn't uh, super excited about it. There was this like level of detachment that I had from the people somehow and I wasn't feeling good. So I took a pause and um, my goal from the beginning, I wanted to get in film, but I was always afraid of it. It was over, really overwhelming because especially yeah. in LA, it's like you have to know someone and get in. And then I was living in Europe and then I came back and I, I just, I love traveling also. And um, one day I met this guy, Anthony Montes. Uh, you can check him out online, Montes Method. Yeah, uh, Montes oh, Method. Yeah. So he was uh, a motivator in the sense of, um, I went to his introductory class and basically long story short, he became my mentor in terms of saying, look, knowing who I was and I told him all, you know, my, where I came from and, and all the stuff I learned. He said, look, you know, sound, you've been doing music for ages. Uh, you dabbled with, with camera work. You shot your two music videos. So you have a phone in your hand that shoots yeah. a 4k. And this was in 2016 or 15. Yeah. Um, and I had already been playing around with the phone a little bit. You know, it was like where video was coming out, YouTube and stuff like that. And I was messing around with the phone just for testing. So he was like, look, there's this uh, festival coming and um, a, a smartphone flick uh, fest, uh, yeah. Australia, uh, Sydney, uh, big ups. And um, he's like, look, there's this, there's this festival. Why don't you apply? Why don't you uh, uh, submit something there? Uh, and I think it was for June. No, it was for, um, had to submit in August. And this was like mm -hmm. in January. Anyways, so I got really ambitious and I shot two shorts. <laughs> and um, I only submitted one, uh, which was The Weird Sisters. Uh -huh. And it got it won People's Choice, uh, which is pretty awesome. And. Yes. Then it just went on to win some other awards, uh, Hollywood Shorts, um, was it, uh, got nominated a few times, and it was, you can see it online right now on, on Vimeo, or on, uh, yeah, through my webpage, BlakeWorld.com. I'll post a link and to it after this. Cool. So, yeah, and that was just after going through that, I mean, the first festival was like, if I didn't win, I was still okay to just be a part of it and just be like yeah. welcomed in. I think if I, if the film wasn't even like taken, I think it would have really hurt me. <laughs> Do you think so? You think you would have stopped? I don't know. I, I, 
I, I would hope not, but I can't say. But after that, um, it was okay to not be accepted to film festivals. I think that one I held the high regard because yeah. Anthony himself was a mentor and he recommended it. And so it was like, I think there was a little bit of that pressure perhaps. Yeah, you- People out there who are shooting with their phones and they're submitting to festivals and they don't get accepted, like, please don't take that as a, as a, as a, as a no, like you can't do it. I think, I mean, there's people who have tons of money shooting like super high budget films and it's like terrible movies. I, I shot a film on my phone and I, I sent it off just to see what could happen. It got into a couple of festivals, but straight away I, I moved on to, well, okay, well, there's got to be other filmmakers, like you're saying, who tried something on their phone and they're getting, they're sending it to festivals and not getting accepted. And I said, well, what if I set up an event that was geared specifically towards those guys mm-hmm. to showcase what they're doing and then try and build yeah. the community out of that? And that was my response to that. But That's great. Said, yeah, we get a lot of movies into the, the festival every year, and we try to show like seventy five percent of them. We try to show. Every, I remember the first year we tried to we showed pretty much ninety percent, and it was nearly impossible. So we got to turn people away, but but we we really don't want to, um, and we try to kind of convey that we that's not the point, and we still try and support people beyond that because I'm very conscious of uh, of festivals in the sense that you submit to something, you don't hear back for ten months, and then you get back an email that well, says thanks but no thanks. Another cool thing is like, I mean, I, I don't know, there, I think there's some festivals that do it, like you can go online and I, I think it, it's good when, when there's festivals that have like unlimited bandwidth, Yeah. but I think what's really cool is like, okay, they didn't make it to the festival, but these are all the submitters you could view online and, and check it out and you could do your own vote if you want. I think that's, yeah, that's that would be pretty cool, um, but of course, yeah, it takes someone who has a website that has unlimited bandwidth. Yeah, unless there was a way to do it through social media, um, like like we're doing now, um, and you could have, say, like an audience choice award at the end for, or you could have people vote online for the ones that didn't get in, or, or you know. Yeah, or if, if you're making the, if, if people's short film have to be less than 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Uh, you could just like make a, a, a an Instagram page for every year of the festival and just like like constantly have content coming in uh, for the whole whole year. Whoops. Yeah, because one of the things that we did this year uh, was we were getting in submissions all the time, and and it was a weird process because you basically. You, you accept submissions to a certain point, then you turn around and you go through them with judges, and then you take a percentage of them and you go back and you say thanks but no thanks. So we were like, well, why don't we, uh, why don't we just run posts and notifications for every film that we get? Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. as filmmakers, they kind of want to, they kind of want to get. I'd love as a filmmaker, I'd love to if somebody, even if I didn't get into the event, if somebody acknowledged that I got something and said check out this movie. So we started doing that. But where we ran into trouble on that end, which was, uh, which I'm going to do a video on, I think, in the next week or so, was that people didn't really create good content to market their films. And that was something that came out of that. It was like I was in, we were in a position where we were like, I want to spread the word about your movie, but I have no marketing content uh, from you to be able to do it. That's, that's such a super uh, uh, hard thing to do. I mean, now the last film I did, Up End, was, I, I was just so enthusiastic about it. And from what I learned before, um, and I had heard from other people, like, it's really good to, to shoot on set and have like the making of and stuff like that. But it's hard as if when you're, when you're a one man band, it's, it's like, yeah. And it's always yeah, good like, to have, yeah, especially have the actors or anybody helping catering, whatever, like it's so important to take for, even if it's just a selfie, it's so important to do it. Um, one thing, uh, D for Darius, which has been also like really helpful in learning stuff on YouTube. Uh, he wears a GoPro on his head and that's been really inspiring. Like I can imagine doing like a whole, like making of a uh, short film with that. Um, because I mean, I would like to know, you know, it'd be awesome. Like, uh, big sets, you know, whether it's Michael Bay or Scorsese would be cool because now they have these little tiny GoPros that are the size of this, uh, this mic right here. And, uh, it would be nice to like if they just had it on to so see like what they do, you know, what they say. But of course, that's oh, yeah, just no. like if they, if they know that it's on and it's self-conscious, maybe there's some private stuff that they say. 
but still it's like it's so hard to like get the experience the only way you can really get the experience is actually by doing right so it's like you just yeah. gotta do it and yeah just as much as you can be conscious about it and make mistakes and then learn to do it later and yeah behind the scenes photos i mean that helps so much and if there's any friend that you have that does graphic design like get them on it because it's like there's going to be so many ideas coming through and that's where it helps a lot like you know your 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 you know family members friend someone from the family even just like hey can you come to whatever just uh, take photos with your photos with your phone just, you know yeah. uh, it's so because important to have different people come in to help you but we were not, well, I was in a, we were in a situation where people weren't even giving us posters um to kind of they were just submitting films without any content at all not even posters and and it was just one thing that i came up as like it was because it was so funny because because phones are great and everyone can shoot but it also means everybody can shoot so you got to start thinking beyond that to, okay how am i going to differentiate myself how am i going to start making noise for me because as you said you could shoot a 4k movie that's amazing but if you don't tell anyone about it uh, the only people who are going to say it's great are your parents, do you know what I mean, or, or your family, or whoever watches it. So, so it's 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 kind of it's just about kind of making noise for yourself any way you can, uh, which is unfortunate because it used to be um, there used to be a long time there where your the strength of your story was all you needed, and uh, but now there's so much noise and everything that you kind of gotta try and go that extra mile and think outside the box a little and be like, okay, well, my, I, I put pen to paper on my production today and how am I going to market this at the end? And it's a little like you said about audio where people don't think about audio till the end. But I remember we used to shoot movies and we'd finish the movies and be like, okay, what are we doing it? And I was like, I don't know, I guess we'll send it to a festival. Well, yeah, that's the kind of stuff. It's just experience, yeah. you know, just, just doing yeah. it consistently. And, there, and there's this weird like notion uh, still, I mean, now it's since Soderbergh has been shooting the phones. Um, uh, Zachary, uh, what's his name? Uh, Zach, um, uh, the recent. Um, this, uh, Zach Schneider. Yeah, thank you. So he's shooting on yeah. mobile phones now. Like, so there's, there's before. I mean, I got so much shit in 2016 for uh, shooting my mobile phone. I wanted to shoot some some friends and stuff like that, and actor friends, and it was just this kind of like pushback of not serious. And even though I got some great footage at the time, it was just, there was, it was like, it's just a phone, you know, it has to be this big camera. I have to, there have to be all these lights. Yeah. And so now it's like, Oh, you got a phone. And so now what's happening uh, in Los Angeles, for instance, it's like you got people falling uh, influencers around uh, town with just phones because there's no really you don't really need a license because technically it's still a phone so there's these like rules and regulations like drones uh, when drones first came out there was no regulations so people were just flying all over the place taking yeah. shots right so same thing like whether you're shooting on top of the Empire State Building or uh, Statue of Liberty or whatever you know there's no regulations yet so it's really crazy how you can get you know, such incredible, beautiful footage with just this little thing. And no one's going to even, the great thing is like extras. You get like free extras because people are so used to phones now. So no one really looks at you yeah. shooting with the phone, but as soon as they see you on the street with like a, like a big camera, it's like they want to get in it or they're looking, what are they doing? Yeah. Or like I was, I was teaching a class there a couple of months back and they were shooting a film outside on t on cameras and there was like 47 people gathered around watching them shoot and i was like if this had been on phones people would just yeah. shrugged and walk by you know what i mean it was so they drew so much attention to themselves it's funny you say that i wonder how long that you know free reign to go and do where you want will last uh, before they start putting some sort of rules on it and that's why i'm shooting uh like crazy right now uh we're shooting yeah, yeah. uh Actually shooting two features uh, starting uh, in December. And then uh, another feature I want to shoot uh, next summer. Um, I actually want to shoot a series, but I think, I don't know, there's this thing of like a friend of mine was telling me like, nah, you should make it a feature because now series are kind of dying down. Uh, the whole changes with uh, Amazon now. And it's like, you should probably focus on just making a movie instead of a series because that's kind of changing. 
but it's like that whole market thing. It's like, well, okay, that'd be great to, you know, uh, save me some time. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, oh, I always want to make a series. And sure, I was the first one to do the series for, for Anthony Montez for uh, IGTV. Yeah. And that was awesome with Instagram and, and man, killed it. And yeah. it was so simple, but still so beautiful that it's something for the phone and shot by the phone, right? Uh, so in a way, I did it, but... Like I really want to shoot like some action stuff. I've been getting in a lot of. Yeah, I love to. I've been getting into overlays a lot. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, we we have this. I guess like with Photoshop back in the days. You know, when we when we found the lens flare, it's like ooh, lens flare. You know, yeah, like, oh, that? yeah let's overuse it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to get all like JJ Abrams and everything you know, like crazy yeah. structure, but still, is I have to say, it's beautiful. I watched. Um, uh, 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 Steven Spielberg, um, uh, Super 8, yeah. you know, with the kids, oh, yeah. they're shooting a movie. Yeah. And um, so it's not Steven Spielberg, it's J.J. Abrams, because I was noticing yeah. lens flares. I was like, oh, no. and uh, Steven Spielberg, I think he Steven helped with impression. Yeah, I think he, he, he um, it's very Steven Spielberg. I think he helped write it. I mean, he definitely produced it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, great lens. There's a lot of lens flares. And I realized, oh, shit, it's J.J. Abrams because I thought it was, was Spielberg. And so it's like, you know, once you know how the, the effect works, like, you know, with markers, green screen, blue screen, mm-hmm. uh, you get an idea how it works. And, and, and that's another thing. I was talking to a friend yesterday. Um, uh, she's learning uh, VFX. And she's going to school for it. Um, and she's telling me she's having problems. She forgot to put markers for her, her, she's doing some testing in the school and they have a green screen and all that. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, it's this thing, uh, you know, I want the stars to flip and all that. I'm like, wait, so it's a nice shot and you shot with a green screen, but with no markers. She's like, yeah. I'm like, what? So it's like this, I was like, you go to school and they're not telling you like, if you shoot it, okay, I don't know if maybe I'm, it's like the thing when you shoot with, with green screens, it's like blue screen is for night, green screen is for day. And that, like, this is something I just learned too. And I'm, I'm trying to communicate with friends too, who are starting to get into this as well. Cause it's like, I'm really diving into it. It's so awesome to learn yeah. like uh, cinema 4d and after effects. And it's, I didn't even know when I started after effects that it came with cinema for cinema 4d inside, <laughs> like cinema 4d light. Man, I was like, oh, shit. And I just found out, too. I was like, wait, I've been using Photoshop for, like, 15 years. And I just realized this is, like, 3D mode in it. God damn, like... Well, this is the thing. Like, I I do projects, right? And they're edited by other people. But any of the editing I do myself, I do on my phone. And I haven't edited on a desktop, I would say, in about five years. Wow. Um, And one of the reasons reasons I stopped editing on my desktop is because I... Exactly that. I'd sit down to do something... And five days later, I'd be doing something completely different because I stumbled across something that could do something. That just, and there's just so much options uh-huh. that I get caught up in it. So I was like, okay, on my phone, there's, ve- it's, it, there's a lot I can do, but it's streamlined to exactly what I need to do. And I, that's why I ended up doing that that way. Did Filmic come out with an app? I mean, Filmic just came out with an app for shooting uh, First line, really, yeah. Re- yeah, really good photos. But did they, yeah. are they in partnership with another company, is like Luminescent or something like that? Uh, it's LumaFusion, Luma yeah, because you can shoot in log on Filmic Pro, and then when you load it into Luma, uh, it's got like a, a log set, a Filmic Pro V-Log setting, and when you click on it, 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 it automatically floods the image back with color for you. Um, so you could literally shoot and edit on your phone? Yeah, I do everything on my phone from start to finish. Do you, do, you, do you even like transport it to like an iPad or something? Or, or, nope, or, or... do everything on my phone. Now that uh, I, I see, I've only I've always been Android. Now I'm an Apple user, so I'll probably use the iPad for filming remote and stuff like that. So you use but like I this do... little phone, or you use like this big phone? I'm using the like I used a it's like six point five inch screen to edit on. Um, now with occasionally. What I do is I, I fire it onto the TV and wow. I edit uh, so I can see in larger what I'm doing. Well, yeah, that's uh, what I got Luma. right now, like right to my my little five. I have this monitor. Yeah. So I, I just connected to the bottom of the monitor. 
And so that's why I keep on looking to the side to see like everything's okay. Yeah. I mean, to have that little adapter, that HDMI adapter for the phone, I mean, it's like, that saves me so much. And I found out, now someone please tell me if I'm wrong, anybody please. I found out that the, the HDMI connector, connector for like iPhone 8 and up, yeah. uh, you can't have, uh, so I have this audio device um, so you can't have an HDMI and an audio device that you hear back from. So this is what I use. I use my iRig for audio. So this is my boom mic. So I connect the boom to this and then that goes to the HDMI connector into the yeah. phone with HDMI so I could see the monitor. And I found out that like, I can't, even though I'm getting audio, no, I found out the audio only comes from the phone. So it's, so it's complete. I can't do it. Like I could charge the phone and look at my monitor, uh, but I can't do audio. So now I realized, oh shit, all my old like 6S SE phones that still shoot in 4K 30 frames per second, I could just, I could keep on using those. And I have been using those. So I'm like, like right now, that's. Haven't they, I don't know, like, haven't they, because I've been an Android user my entire life up until about two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Have they kind of, are they still, um, are they still uh, supporting six and, and older models? What, what, still, what, who? Like Apple. The iOS? Oh, yeah. yeah so the, the, they, they go, the least that they go to is SE and 6S. Oh, okay, so cool. that's yeah. what I have. I have uh, I have one success. Oh, no, I have t uh, yeah, I have two iPhone SEs and one iPhone success. Basically, the the, the interior uh, machinery of the SE is literally exactly the same as the success. So I basically tell everybody I got three iPhone successes. So <laughs> completely up to date, running the new iOS. And I've been shooting, I've shot, I think, five or six commercials with it. Uh, I don't know, uh, seven shorts, uh, working on a feature, two features. So it's like, I've still been using these old phones. Like, it may work. Yeah, well, Does I mean, what did, Soderberg, Soderberg, what did Soderbergh shoot on Sane on? Was it a 6S or was it a 7? It was. No, it was, uh, I think it was the... Um, the the X the the oh okay I thought it was I didn't I thought it was an older one I mean I like I mean if they if, if it ain't broke I mean I don't like as I said I was an Android user my entire life so I see a difference when I jump I'm using the um, Pro Max 11 here uh, and I see a difference when I jump onto that but from mm -hmm. my understanding from talking to other people the 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 jumps are so um, the jumps between models are are getting so kind of small that they don't really justify the price that they're charging for new phones because the difference yeah. isn't enough especially when it comes to like you say you're shooting 4k at 30 frames per second and you've been doing it on a phone that's what five six years old now but yeah the one thing for me is like i would like to the reason that i'm using phones a lot is because a um people don't look at me twice when i'm shooting the street um I'm, I really know now how much light it needs. I know my equipment so well, so I know exactly, like, the phones need a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of light. And you have to be very careful with your focus um, because it doesn't have a constant bit rate. Yeah. So, like, when you zoom in to stuff, it's little pixelated, not pixelated, but blurry. Uh, even the new phones, the new um, uh, the 11 it looks super yeah. crisp, but when you zoom in, you notice it. It's still, it's not constant bitrate because it, it's machinery. It's, it's completely different from, from the machinery of a camera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the same. Not exactly. I mean, there's, there's you know, better, uh, you know, there's better screens, there's better machinery in, in the cameras. Basically, from the the iPhone 6s all the way up to like I think the the 8 or 10 it's pretty much the same 
Uh, I think it was the 10. That's when the camera really started changing. Yeah. And the 11, it's a good camera, no doubt. Um, and I really like how they have the three different uh, lens perspectives. So it's yeah. like you don't really need an attachment. I think if you do it, if you're starting with YouTube and stuff, definitely like you're so good with the 11. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of shooting, shooting like if you got a, if you got anything above a, a 6s, iPhone 6s, just use that. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm literally like telling my friends, you got a 6s or SE, you don't want, please give it to me because. I don't know, I just got used to shooting with two or three cameras, and especially for like doing improv scenes, you know, where, where I have a master in uh, two singles or over the shoulder, or whatever. It's like, it's so f awesome. You know, normally like it would be Panavisions or Red or whatever. It's like pff, insane to have that equipment running yeah. constantly, right? So it's really a big uh, bonus to have the phone and yeah it's at the end of the day people are shooting uh, with really high def cameras like for feature films i'm talking about when they want to mm -hmm. make it interesting they're actually adding overlays of noise like we're to um, kind of bring it down a bit yeah fuji film or there's like even digital uh you know these uh filters put on it whether it's Red Giant or, um, you know, playing with a little bit of noise overlays. So at the end of the day, it's like, for me, it's just like story. A yeah. good story. Um, I just saw a, a short film the other day and um, I'm not gonna mention any names, but it was hard because it was just the dialogue was, it was like just giving everything away, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's so important. Like really we have to focus on the core of the story. And for me, that's what, that's why I do what I do. I, I really want to send a message and I really want to put it out there. I want to, I really want to make people walk out of the theater or, or, or step away from the computer or even phone and just be like, whoa, what was that? You know, whether it's yeah. like, like being John Malkovich kind of thing or Matrix or Fight Club, you know, those kind of films are really like, what did I just watch? You know, yeah. it kind of shakes up the psyche a little bit and like, you know, breaks away from the norm. Because uh, don't get me wrong, I love, that. it's fun. It's like going to Disneyland or something to watch a Marvel film and all that. I love the action yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah, it's entertaining, but you don't, you don't necessarily walk away pondering questions about life or yourself or, you know. It's, it's not deep. Yeah, and that's, I really want to get to the core of the soul, you know, like, you know, like whether it's like Miles Davis or something, you know, or, or, yeah, the, you know, screaming Jay Hawkins or, you know, like music, I'm just metaphorically yeah. music wise stuff that really like hits you at the soul. And, um, I think that's really important. That's why I think it's important to watch old films. And oh, I think that's, that's a perfect, just what a learning experience because they couldn't even move the cameras. Yeah. And, and they had no effects hardly. They had to really do like effects on the spot. Right. So, I don't know, I, re I really, I like to promote to like, just watch old films, you know, stay yeah. away from, I mean, it's good to watch new films and stuff like that, but check out the, the old ones because a lot of times they're taking pieces of old films and put it in, like you listen to like inter interviews with Quentin Tarantino, right? Yeah. Uh, he worked at a video shop. And there's an interview with him. He, he said he's literally like taking scenes from different things that he saw. And just it's like a, it's like a DJ, you know, mixing yeah, up the, mixing mixing up the stuff. Up. It's funny. There's a Helen uh, Helen Cambride there who's just like the Godfather is an excellent film to study, and she's correct. What I will say to anyone who is listening uh, to watch Casablanca, if you've never seen Casablanca, watch Casablanca because <laughs> I watched it recently, and it is so good, so well made. <laughs> so entertaining and every single character no matter if they're in it for about 10 seconds is memorable has incredible lines and a really good performance and it's just you're like if the, it, it feels like a film that was made today that was just shot to look in black and white it's just excellent and yeah. Yeah, i just yeah you're, you're dead right you can learn so much from because it's a lot like film that was just shot to look in black and white 
no, it's playback there. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it's a lot like shooting on your phone now in the sense that these guys had limitations and had to work within them. Yeah. And shooting on your phone, you have limitations and it forces you to be creative. And it's the same back then. They, were, they had limitations on where they could move the camera, the size of the camera, so you had to think outside the box and how they were going to use it. And watching how they figured this stuff out is just phenomenal. And pretty much anything, oh, everything's watchable. Anything, especially when you get into like the mid, early to mid 70s, when you've got like uh, Frankenheimer and, and uh, Sorcerer. Have you ever seen Sorcerer? No. You are. Sorcerer is the William Freakin thing about the, the, the remake of The Wages of Fear, right? And it came out okay. the same weekend as Star Wars, and it flopped. And it's got an awful name. But that is an exercise in chewing your own fingers off. If anyone is, okay. no one has ever seen Sorcerer, check it out. Um, it's where they have to transport the explosives in the trucks through the Amazon jungle, and they're basically... It's sort of like speed. If they, if they hit a brick too hard and the explosives oh. move, the trucks will explode. And it's okay. just unbelievable. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're so, right. So Helen, Helen uh, Kilbride said there's 15 scriptwriters on Casablanca. That's... She says, "Is that true?" I would, I would. Oh, is it true? If it is, that's even more impressive because it just so goes to show. ties together. The yeah, writers. Yeah, it goes to show. It's the yeah. core. Um, and it is funny what you're saying about kind of. Um, a lot of times, and this is one of the things I always talk about in class, is a lot of times people think that they're making films for filmmakers when in actual fact they're making films for an audience. And, and when you say about story, you're saying if your story is really good, your audience probably won't notice what it was filmed on. Um, yeah. um, and, and I find it, and, and then you run into this kind of blocking point, I do, I find over here, where here it's like the better the equipment you have, the better the filmmaker you are, and you're kind of forgetting all about the story and I often I run into it a lot here where it's a lot still that attitude I find it's changing now a lot when I started all this it was not but it's changing now a lot but it was very much like um yeah it's great for an amateur but you'll never be taken seriously and I actually had a I, I actually had a, a kind of heated discussion with somebody I didn't know on the phone the other day because I was explaining to them about the festivals and explaining that we teach and they were like oh do you teach progression and I knew what she meant and and, and I said well well no, um, I, I, I know what you mean, but no, I don't. And she's like, I just wanted to know, did you teach people to move on to proper cameras that are, re that are good quality? And I snapped. <laughs> oh, and no. I snapped. And oh. I, said some, I said some line that, along the lines of, I give you a camera, I give Steven Spielberg a phone, who makes the better movie? It was something like that. I can't remember what, what oh, that's That's a good one. Yeah, but it was it was it was just because as if there was some sort of hierarchy to art, and that you know I should be enforcing it by saying. I give, no. I give Steven Spielberg phone, and I'll I'll give you a professional camera. Yeah. And whoever makes the professional movie gets to keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's weird. Like as you know, if Spielberg had a phone, he'd make something incredible. And, yeah. And it did, and the audience wouldn't know either way. Do you know what I mean? And that's. One of the things I find kind of one of the struggles I find here is that people people see it as a stepping stone to something else, and I don't yeah. necessarily think it needs to be a stepping stone. Well, um, no, and and there's an example too because you say that Spielberg, Steven Spielberg had a, had a phone and, and they had a film camera who made a better film uh, in that movie I was telling about Super Eight with the kids. Yeah. Uh, there's like this. Um, uh, subplot, right? Um, they're shooting a film with their Super 8 camera, hence the name Super 8. I don't, yeah. Maybe you already saw it, but the film at the very end that they shoot, it's like student film. Mm -hmm. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so cheap, but it's good. And uh, also, I follow this, um, I forget the name uh, of this crew on Instagram, but they remake like Marvel films and stuff, but like really terrible ways where it's oh, like, this is the spaceship. And yeah, like, I see it. And they sing all the like tunes. Scene for scene. And you think about it, you're like, man, that's, that's a great storyboard. Yeah, it's actually, and it's actually pretty impressive the level they get into in its poorness. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's actually yeah. hard work to make something that that poor if you know what i mean it takes skill to make something poor it's not like they they wandered in an accident it's not like have you ever seen sleepaway camp no well sleepaway camp is one of these 
brilliant movies that is a sweet spot between the director had ambition and fell horribly short of it um, and what the resulting film is hilarious to watch but it's funny because every decision he made unintentionally and even down to casting they cast like 40 year old people to play 12 or 15 year olds at a camp it just none of it makes sense do you know what i mean but to make some to deliberately make something poor deliberately is actually yeah. hard work yeah, yeah. <laughs> that requires a level of thought like um but um yeah no it's 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 it's, it's interesting um but uh so what's next for you what are you what, these two features you're working on what's uh what's next for you um after uh, i'm not I <laughs> I, i'm i'm trying to focus really on this uh on this first feature because um it, it's very close to heart it's very personal yeah so um i think that's really hard i'm, I'm jumping in the cold water in that sense because if it was um you know, if it was something more sci-fi, I think it'd be a lot easier. Yeah. And and which I did, to be honest, I did want to do the the sci-fi one first. Um, but I, I I like a good challenge, so yeah. I'm doing this one. And a crowdfunding campaign is going to be launched. Uh, I think end of next week. Mm -hmm. I think end of end, uh, no beginning of the following. So end of this month. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a little, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's challenging cause I'm already in the writing process and that alone is, is scary. You know, uh, the whole thing, 15 writers for Casablanca kind of thing. It's like, uh, I definitely need help with the writing side. Um, so uh, I think there's a certain point where you have to bring in professionals to like give an opinion yeah. and, but also still be like, no, I mean, opinions are hard in, in any kind of art, right? Hmm. It's good to have someone's perspective, but also not to completely change it because then you're just making it theirs in a way. Right. Yeah. I know. I know exactly it's where you're coming from. Very, very fragile ground. Um, nevertheless, it's good to have a professional who knows how to, uh, quote unquote, chop off the fat. Yeah. But, um, I suppose we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up anyway, because we've been yeah. out for an hour, but, um, save the cat. I heard is a great book. I've never read it, but I heard it is, uh, it is eye opening. So. Uh, like everyone, I mean, you're talking about before towards the beginning, you're talking about festival and films that just don't go anywhere. Sometimes, uh, uh, I don't know, you're talking more of the, the promotional stuff, I think, but yeah, uh, I think maybe we, t we tapped on that about storytelling. Yeah. Um, I think everyone should have one of those because we, there's no shortage of, um, or there's no shortage. No, there's no, there's always the storytelling is the oldest form of communication mm -hmm. in our entire evolution. Cavemen talking about their hunts, you know, this is the oldest primal form of communication, storytelling. I don't think it's going to end ever. Storytelling is just, it's from the soul. So I think everybody should have like a book like that to be able to know how to tell a story. Um, it's, it's so simple too. It's not really technical. Uh, that's why I like it so much. It's, it's very, uh, I've read a few books about screenwriting, uh, writing novels, short stories. And this was like something I really enjoyed to read too. Yeah. And definitely one of those books where it's like filled with underlines and highlights and like, Oh, I gotta go. I like, after I put it down, I wanted to read it again. Um, I'm on my third time reading it now, so it's like, it's just one of those books. You can't, it's, it, it's you you wanna you wanna have the knowledge of this guy in your head uh, as a, as a, as, a, as a director, as a writer, uh, you know, filmmaker. So I, I completely highly suggest people get that book. Uh, save the Save the Cat save by the Blake cat. Snyder. I'll get Save the Cat there. There's someone else. Can, actually, Blake, can you turn can you turn your phone because it's actually panning into your kitchen? I think. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's, uh, I, I was enjoying your kitchen, but it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's all save the cat, yeah? Save the cat, yeah. Okay, because someone just asked that question there, um, and I've heard of it, but I never actually read it. I heard it's eye-opening oh, stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really, get it tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's, everyone should have, this should, this should be like, for anyone to get in your festival, you should be like, did you read Save the Cat? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one of the questions at the start. No. Go, go to the library, yeah, yeah. read Save the Cat, and then submit your... And then come back to me. I'll hold your film until you're done. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hardcore, but it's really... For anyone who wants to make a feature film or a series, like, you have to read something like that. It, it's... Um, I, I, I rarely say, like, you have to. But it's, it's one of those, as a filmmaker, I think you really have to. Um, uh, there's also these things, uh, I think, story blocks. I think we've all seen them, like, in airlines. They have them in the, the little uh, airline kiosk. Uh, they're called story blocks. They're like dice, but they have images on them. Yeah. And I suggested, like, a little game that people could do at home, too, with their friends. I mean, it's even when you're drinking, you can do it. Uh, you just pick up something... And you just put it on the table like this, and, and you you start a story about that. You know, uh, you know it was late at night, three in the morning. Uh, Johnny was thirsty, so he went to the kitchen and picked up a glass of water. And then then you pick up this, and it's like, uh, and then the next person continues, uh, and then he picked up picked up a phone or whatever. So these things are like dice. You roll them. There's images on it, whether it's a cup or phone or whatever, and you invent these stories. Yeah. When you have a group of drunk storytellers, the best kind, with those dice, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like epic stories. I mean, you want to talk about like, what was that story you talked about? Like, it's just things go so wacko, and it's so cool because it's it's really great training because you develop this arc, right? And each one knows like, all right, there's uh, because usually you have like nine dice. So it's great. I mean, uh, uh, there's three-act structure, there's eight-act structure, you know, you Dang have it. these different structures, but, you know, it kind of, everyone has that notion in mind that you feel it out in the story. Okay, this is, I can bring it out over here. And there's those rules to the game. You can you can talk your segment as much as you want. And, of course, someone's like, ah, uh, and then, and then, and then, you know. Uh, That's actually just I was going to say, if anyone's listening, don't steal my idea. That's an amazing idea for a podcast uh, where, where everybody gets drunk and uses story dice and then you just <laughs> record whatever story they come out with once a week. That's yeah. That's it. That's the end of episode one. Uh, big thank you to Blake Warrell for uh, coming on board uh, to chat with us. Uh, very fascinating guy. Very interesting uh, stuff he's done working for Roger Corman if you want to find out more about Blake uh, be sure to check out him check him out on the blakeworld.com uh, and you can also check out his uh, award winning Upend which won the best fiction at the Dublin Smartphone Film Festival in 2018 on YouTube uh, apologies for the audio and the ending uh, we are learning as we go uh, but I promise it's onwards and upwards from here things are going to get a lot better and we have some very cool guests in the coming weeks Um from all over the world, uh, our next guest, um, I'm not going to give any clues, but they are could be from anywhere. And that anywhere is Finglas. No, it's uh, check it out next week, uh, Friday. Thanks very much again, guys. Thank you.